With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I am your host as always and I'm joined this week to discuss the hammering of Hamilton by two of my favourite podders, first of all the splendid Mr Adam Thornton. Hello David, how are you doing? And the terrific Mr James Tessier. Greetings all. So, uh, we had said on here for a while, somebody's due a doing offers and sometimes that can be a little bit of wish fulfilment because the results haven't been going well or you've been missing chances and there's a, a sense of frustration, but you cling to it, it'll be all right on the night at some point. I didn't feel when we've been saying this the last few weeks that that was the case. I think there was just a genuine feeling of our attack is is doing okay um, because we're getting, getting by, but we know they're capable of more. But there has been some lovely flashes of play, even during a spell where I think we would all agree that they weren't firing in all cylinders. And Adam, at the weekend, the circumstances did seem set up for this. Hamilton, who had won the last time at Ibrox, let's not forget, but you know, generally speaking, have a, a, a patchy record at Ibrox. They hadn't played in three weeks, and Rangers were angry after Thursday night, came out the traps, three goals up inside 20 minutes, and never let up from there on in. It's a shame it had to be Hamilton, isn't it? I'm sure there's yeah. other teams that we could have uh, given a doing to that would have uh, deserved it more. I quite like Hamilton. But yeah, um, I think we know that. I think we we praise Brian Rice for his approach sometimes. He is quite expansive. He does like to play. But if we're being honest, there are a lot of gaps in the Hamilton defence. We, we scored a lot of goals against them. Um, more so away I would say over the last couple of years but um, yeah it was all set up the the top team in the league in terms of the table against the bottom team in the league they have conceded a a large number of goals so far and they did go on to concede them in this game as well I I was um, it's a strange one isn't it David I was probably thinking off the back of Benfica let's just kill the game early doors and, and focus on uh, the international break, make sure everybody goes away and comes back, more importantly, uh, safely. Um, let's get a couple of goals up as early as we can and um, basically just preserve what we've got. I was not expecting the, the onslaught that would ensue after the first goal. I wondered, Tess, if the manager might say to them, go out there and the second half and you know knock yourselves out because, he, as he mentioned, he took off the guys who've got big international games or, in the case of Stephen Davis... You know, it wasn't even in the match day squad. Uh, he he got a rest. So the guys that were playing in the second half mainly were not going away to international football, or if they were, they were going away to friendlies or whatever. And I think he did just send them out and say, "Empty it. You've got two weeks. Go out there and don't come off the gas." And at one point, I mean, it was eight 0 with twenty minutes to go. We've hit the post and missed a really good chance uh, for Tav to get his hat trick during that spell as well. They 
they didn't seem in the mood to relax and think, ah, you know, it's it's four, it's five, it's it. They didn't do that at all. That's exactly what you want to see. It's not, you know, the game isn't finished until the referee blows that final whistle. Um, it's, I, I doubt it will come down to goal difference this season. I, I, I think that we'll, we'll have enough points in the bag uh, when, it, when it comes to May. But, you know, there's every, there's every chance it will. Who's to know? So, you, you know, you've got to keep, the, you've got to keep the the boot on the metaphorical throat, so to speak. You've got to keep grinding the opposition down because you know every, all, all the goals are, are essential. Also, the players who are scoring these goals, they're going to pick up confidence from it. Winning breeds winning. You know, good form breeds good form. So whilst the game was well and clearly, well and truly won at half time, you know, we ain't, we ain't letting a four 0 lead at Irox slip. No chance. You know, we well and truly won at half time. Time, the players that is brought on, one, it's their chance for them to go out and impress. Two, I think it's going back to what I've said in previous weeks about every single player in that squad knows their job. They know their role. They sort into a position. They know exactly what they've got to do. And it's just a case of them doing it. And three, the players aren't switching off. You know, on, on Thursday night, the players switched off collectively. Um, keeping it going until the final minute, especially in, in a game like yesterday's, that just shows that the players are switched on again. That you know, they, they, they cannot have any moments of mental weakness, no matter who we're playing, no matter what the circumstances are. They've got to keep switched on. They've got to keep going right into the final whistle. And that we were able to do that yesterday. It's you know that that, that the, the result was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but it's the fact that right up until the very last kick of the game, we were still going for them. That's what I get the most satisfaction from. Um, being fortunate enough to to be at the games to cover them for Heart and Hand yesterday, you can hear the shouts obviously from the the players and the manager uh, quite clearly. And yesterday was a moment; it was seven nil at the time, and the ball went out for a throw near Stephen Gerrard, and he ran to get it, got it, um, and then a Rangers player was ambling over to take the throw, and he shouted at him to hurry up at seven nil. So clearly, he wasn't up for. Let's just you know let this one drizzle out. He, he he wasn't up for that at all, and that attitude I think was prevalent throughout the squad yesterday. Adam, I know that in the past for matches, especially like this, that you've been a little bit frustrated by the midfield selections, and I know that that you've felt recently, for want of a better term, the manager has had the confidence in the side to take the handbrake off a little. Yeah, I think the first. The first confirmation of that was the Celtic game for me. Um, we know Jack Davis Kamara, we know what it can do and, and with all respect, we know what it can't do. Um, it's very, very good in those those games like Benfica on Thursday night where we want to stay compact um, as possible. We're not going to get much in the way of attacking intent from it or certainly that was the way it was last season. Um, so that was that was what we expected, I think, going into that, that Celtic game, that we would possibly revert back to that, despite how well we've been doing in the middle of the park. And David, as you, as you mentioned, I do like a moan about it. Um, I haven't had any case to moan at all this year so far in the 20 games, which has been excellent. I think other than possibly the Livingston game, where I felt that we were a wee bit too passive in there with both Jack and Kamara, I think we have adopted a, a pretty... Accurate horses for courses in every single one of these games in the midfield, but that is the part that I'm, I'm most pleased about. It would have been easy to go to Parkhead and play Davis, Jack and Kamara in there and, and try and adopt the tactics that were done before, but we didn't. We, we showed faith in that, what was at the time, Davis, Kamara and Arfield being the, the most successful midfield of um, certainly the early part of the season. Um, but then he went one better at, at Kamarnock and he went with Jack sitting deep in the rebound and Arfield as, as the two number eights, box to box, whatever you want to call them. Um, and that was such a huge shift. I didn't expect to see that from from what we'd seen last year or the year before. We know the manager and the management team are, are naturally quite cautious and they'll prefer that sitting deep midfield to um, counter for our two fullbacks. So we know they like that balance, but that game against Kilmarnock, the first 25 minutes, I thought we were tremendous middle to front in terms of the way that we recycled possession. The rotation and movement was fantastic. Um, and that just carried on into Sunday's game. David, I thought that midfield three was just exactly what we need to do in these type of games. Um, most of the home games, probably a good chunk of the away games as well. There is no reason for us to play two holding midfielders, let alone three. Um, we have one there who can form a 
triangle with the centre backs, and and that's the base that we play from. We essentially played a three seven yesterday. We had seven attackers attacking at will, changing positions, constantly moving, and Hamilton just had no answer for it. We ripped him to shreds with our movement on and off the ball, which was the really really pleasing part of that for me. Tess, you knew a fair bit about Kamar Roof being a fan of a, an English Championship side in Derby, so you'd seen a bit more of him than than the rest of us. Um, his movement is different level to the vast majority of players in the SPFL. And as Adam says there, it's movement that's killing these teams because he plays in a slightly different position from anyone else that we have. And what he does, a lot of his work, apart from the fact that he obviously scores goals, which is, is terrific and is a good player, but the space he creates for other people because teams can't just do that thing they, they used to be able to do against us, which is just sit in their banks and say, okay, break us down because he's playing in little pockets of space and taking defenders into little pockets of space. Now, it's all part of a jigsaw because you then need guys like Rebo who are in our field who are making the runs and are intelligent enough to use the space and link up with the fullbacks, but they are. And the difference is, I think, there for all to see. I like to think that um, that we've signed Kamaru, if it is more through design than accident, is in his his attributes perfectly fill a gap that we needed filling. Um, he's been scouted to perform that particular role. We obviously, we brought him in. Uh, the fact that he has got sorts of movement against the, should we say, the lesser teams in the in the um, SPFL that's going to be needed because not not so much Hamilton, but certainly teams that are going to set up and, you know, they've got, they're going to park the bus. You know, you really got to work to break them down. You are going to need that kind of movement to drag people out of place for the space to be exported by Uribos, by Scotty Arfields. Jermaine Defoe's another one who does this, not so much with his movement, but the fact that he's there. You know, he's he's always going to be watched by one, two defenders. So he doesn't even have to move and he's going to draw people away. But Kamaru, his movement is fantastic. He finds the positions and more to the point, it's what he does when he's got the ball. He's not just there to divert people away. When he gets it, he has got an end product. I mean, he showed that with, with that header yesterday. He had no right to be scoring from there. You know, he had, he had no right to winning the header and scoring the goal, but he did. You know, the guy, the guy can do the business. So I think that, oh, I'd say he, he was identified as a player who did have a certain set of a certain skill set that we were lacking. Now we've brought him in. I don't think he's the final piece in the jigsaw because I think there's a lot of other things that have fitted that have started to come to cover nice this season as well. But I do find it very encouraging that we, when we went out and signed him in the summer, he was identified as somebody who could bring some new things to the table, which means that we aren't just looking to replace like for like. We are looking at new options and... Oh, I'd say in, in games against the lesser teams of the SPFL, his movement and his ability to create space and draw defenders away, you know, it's, it's going to be absolutely crucial. Do you know the thing I like about him, David? Sorry, just just on Roof. The thing I like about Roof is how decisive he is and, and how clinical he is. And I don't mean that in terms of just putting the ball in the back of the net. I mean in terms of his, his movement. Everything is premeditated. Every touch he takes is with a, a plan in mind. We've got a lot of players... Um, who thrive on on chaos, and that could be creating chaos of their own, like Morelos and Aribo, or maybe taking advantage of it in, in the way that Kent does. But there is still an argument for those players that they should they should contribute more than they do in terms of consistent output, um, in terms of goals and assists. Morelos, we all know, we all love him, but he's just as likely to miss as many chances as he is to score. Um, you don't really get that with Roof. It feels like everything that falls to him, he he puts away or he makes a great pass and it's all premeditated. He's got that calmness in that final third that I think we badly lacked last year. I would totally agree with that. And again, you can just tell sometimes when a guy you know, comes to Scottish football and, and they look like what you expected, <laughs> you know, a higher level footballer because they played at, 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 uh, at top clubs before. And, and you can see in his case that he, he carries himself in that way. And Tess is right. I thought that the, I love a striker, by the way, who's following in. Just love that anyway for, for the second goal. Or a right back, um, as happened for the eighth goal yesterday. But I also love uh, guys who can time jumps because you don't have to be the biggest guy in the world to be good in the air. Um, you just need to be able to to time your jump and, and 
you know, know when to go for it and what to do and how to get in front and time your run. And his goal, I thought, it, it'll be underrated because there was some crackers yesterday. But that one was an absolute peach, in my opinion. A great striker's goal. From a great ball in, Adam, from the uh, the, the man of the match, there was awarded yesterday, and, and I think most people, although there were several candidates, would, would probably tend to agree, who's in sensational form. You, of course, have been the president of the James Tavernier fan club for, I believe this is the sixth successive year yes. that you have taken the office. So he's playing right now with a verve and confidence uh, that, you know, he's, he's had spells of amazing form in the past. Let's, let's not kid ourselves, but this is it seems to be another level. I think I was the only member of the fan club for about two and a half years as well, to be honest. But yes, uh, it's been a it's been a long slog. I think I think you're right. I think we're, we're seeing that now. It's the the confidence. Um, it was always one of those players that I pegged um, as a player who was capable of doing so much better in a better team. Um, and I think we see that. I think we now see um, him at his peak. Um, last season, I, I didn't think he was as good as he was the the year before. Um, but I think he's come back. I would agree with that. Yeah, he's come back firing and and things last year you can say defensive mistakes etc. Absolutely, but I just felt in terms of output and in terms of contribution he was still involved, um, making the most passes, the most crosses etc. But the quality had dipped or, or the the end product of it had dipped. So he was still crucial to the way that we played, but it was more around the discussion was starting to lend itself to, okay, well, is Barisic now more involved and, and that's how we're, we're balancing things out, therefore he is more involved. I think you see this year that that is the case. Um, we build a hell of a lot of our play down that left-hand side through Barisic and Kent uh, and now Aribo and Kamara and whoever else is there, a, a hell of a lot of our play. And what that does is that leaves space on that right-hand side now um, for Tavernier and he's taken advantage of it I think there was was it the game Galatasaray or Livingston uh, in particular um, you see the kind of average locations after the game and he's all out on his own on that right hand side with one defender and maybe another opposition midfielder covering so he's got a lot more space now because of the threats that we've got most teams are going to see Barisic and Kent on that side of the park and think god do we need to deal with that Um it's just there's just so many options and he's now not bearing that burden himself and Morelos were, were carrying the carrying the can for large parts of both the first two seasons if you like so he's now seeing that split in terms of responsibility on the pitch and he's able just I think to just get on with his game which when it boils down to it is just being a very good footballer in, in the attacking sense. Plus Tess I think that we'd all spoken about Ryan Kent had you know, he's, he's always involved and he never hides and he's always trying to get on the end of stuff. But I think we all felt for him a wee bit when he hit the post on Thursday night because you could see uh, that there was a guy who was desperate for something to happen, one to go in. Jermaine Defoe puts a absolutely sexy reverse pass through to him yesterday. He hails off, knows what he's doing, picks out a great run from Arfield. It's 1-0 and then we got Ryan Kent rampaging the way that we know he can do. The thing with Kent, like you rightly say, is that he doesn't hide. And that, for me, is encouraging because when he does go through dips in form, he knows that him and only him can get himself out of it. You know, if he was withdrawn into himself, it'd need maybe a bit of coaxing or maybe something magical to help him to come alive again. But because he's always there, because he's always trying, it only takes one thing to come off for him and then he's back on form. And yesterday, I think we saw that perfectly. He's put that ball in for our field. He's got an assist after having been quiet for the past five to six weeks. And then that's it. His confidence is straight back. He's he's right back in the game. And he's, he's I mean, every, every player gave Hamilton a torrid time yesterday. But Ryan Kent was tearing them in a arsehole every, every time I got the chance. And that, that I think that, that that's one of the things that's a real testament to his character in that, you know, he, he knew that only he, he could get himself out of this rut. And, and I think we all knew and were rooting for him just for that one little thing to go right. You know, if if he would have scored the goal against Benfica on Thursday, that would have been the thing to give him his, his mm. mojo back, so to speak. As it was, it, it was the assist yesterday. And I think the only shame is that we've got to wait two weeks to see him back in action because now he's got that spring in his step. Now, you know, all his effort is paying off again and he, is, he does have the end product. I just can't wait to see him in the next match. Yeah, I think that's the thing about Kent that I like a lot, Adam, is that he doesn't hide and he will always try and get the ball and make something happen. And sometimes maybe tries too hard. Um, 
I think we can we can see that, 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 that sometimes he's maybe making decisions that he wouldn't win it. But when he's relaxed, when he he feels it. Um, but he's a guy he would, he would never be out of my team purely because he will keep trying something, and he's so good that something will come off. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've got four players I would say um, that I not that I refuse to accept criticism of, but but that I don't feel criticism is really um, it's really warranted when when the good so much so outweighs the bad. Uh, Tavernier is obviously one of them, and and that might be my opinion. Previously, rather than than the fact that I think we see now, Kent's another one um, there as well. Going through those dips last year, he's not got an assist. He's not got that. The good that he does for the team, off the ball, out of possession. He, he didn't have the the greatest of games a couple of weeks ago against uh, against Livingston, but he wins the ball back for that first goal. Um, very very unselfishly pressing the the centre half to to win the ball back leads to the goal. Um, there's one of those moments in every game, sometimes multiple, on top of mm-hmm. the the excellent start that he's had to the game. So I, I can't. He's above criticism for me, and that's something for me. It doesn't mean he's above criticism in, in general, but I just think until the good stops to massively outweigh the bad in that situation, he's he's on my list of of must haves. And I think you see that with the manager. Um, that's us at twenty games now. I don't have the exact stats to hand, but certainly I think Goldson has played every game. I think. Tav has played every game and Kent can't be far off of it. I think he had one or two uh, in the early weeks of the season where he possibly got rested. But those three seem to be the only three in the team that he will refuse to rotate at this point. And we can debate the merits of that as we get into winter and whether we think they, they should be. But as far as the first 20 go, those are certainly the three that are, if they are fit and available, they're being picked. So I think they're now his, his top performers on the park. Yeah, I think in terms of guys that you look at it and you think, I don't even really want them rested if they don't. Nope. For me, it's Goldson, Tav, Kent, and uh, you know the, the rest of the squad. I'm quite happy to change about, rotate. I like to see Aribo in the team, but I get you know that, that there might be you can put Hadji in, what et cetera, et cetera. But those three guys are for me. Uh, and although yesterday it didn't make much of a difference, Alan McGregor would probably be in that category as well, Tess. That. They are the guys that I think are the the bedrock that we can build the rest of the side on. Definitely, and we we also benefit from the fact that they're not overly burdened by um, international minutes as well. Um, mm. This this seem to thrive on uh, getting minutes under the belt. They don't don't pick up injuries. They don't seem to show fatigue. They're clearly modern professionals, you know, in terms of physique, where they look after themselves, the way they manage themselves. Oh, so they never get injured, you know. It's it's very it's it's good to know that whilst we have got options throughout the squad, and if those players did need to be replaced for any reason, so be it. I think we'd cope okay. It is nice to know that we do have those those foundations upon which we can build. We do keep that continuity going all the time. And as as senior players in the team, the rest are looking up to them. They are leading by example week in, week out. And I think it's it's very encouraging to see that we are get starting to get the strong characters in the squad emerge. I mean, one of, one of the things that's been discussed, not just under Gerard, but, but before that as well, under Cassini and Murti that season, certainly, um, is the mental frailties. And, you know, now these leaders, now these warriors are starting to show themselves just at the right time as the team is starting to click and hit form. I just find it very encouraging. That's an interesting point, Adam. Can you develop mental toughness in the way that you can develop other skills. I think that there's possibly a tendency within football to think that we can improve in certain areas, but there are some things that you either have or you don't. And that, that might very well be true. Um, you know, I think Ali McCoy's, for example, born finisher. Uh, you, I don't think you can learn that. But there are other attributes, maybe not just physical ones, that, yeah, you can go in and train in a gym and, and be a bit stronger, a bit quicker, whatever. But I think through experience, if you channel it correctly, you can develop in abstract ways that we're seeing from this team because they just look different to last season. And it can't all just be about, well, we've signed some good players because when those players aren't there, the team are still performing at a level that they didn't look like they were consistently capable of previously. 
Yeah, it's a bit too touchy feely and, and subjective. That one for me, I think we need we need Martin or someone like that to be able to dig into the psyche. But yeah, I think he definitely can. Um, Martin on Martin touchy feely. I know. Well, in terms of the the philosophy side of it, I would say or the the inside their heads. But um, I I think you can. I think there's maybe an argument that if if Tav wasn't going to gain mental toughness from the four or five years preceding this one, is he ever going to? Um, but I, I certainly think winning breeds confidence. This defensive record, David, I don't think we should underestimate, both in terms of how incredible it is, but also in terms of that confidence it gives, um, and that they, they will be thinking, um, Benfica aside and, and Hibs aside, arguably, but they will be going into every game thinking, we're not going to concede today, it's just not, not happening, we've been round... A full, a full run of fixtures, we've not conceded, we've done this, we've done that. I think that helps them in terms of the durability. They're not that concerned with it. They know what to do. They've been over the course there. Um, and then I think moving forward, it is more about um, the patterns of play. We, we mentioned, the, the the manager mentioned after the Celtic game, we know how each other play. There's, there's no surprises here. We've constantly trained that. We know what the rotations are. We know what we need to do. We just keep doing that and it will come. And I think each week brings more confidence maybe in that side rather than a, a mentality or a mentality switch. It's just confidence. We're seeing this. Better players coming in helps that as well because it becomes easier to do those things. It becomes easier to have a little flick around the corner that Roof's going to read rather than maybe someone last year and a ball's trickling out of play and the crowd goes crazy. That's another factor I think that we obviously talk about quite a bit as well. That there is no negative criticism in game um, at the minute. So that again speaks to a, a mentality shift or maybe a, a lack of a, maybe a lack of evidence on that one in terms of how we would react if there was a crowd there and things didn't go the way. We've also not really been behind very much in, in games. We've not been losing, I think it was the Hibs game I think, did we we went 1-0 down in the Hibs game didn't we, if memory serves me correctly, that's the only yeah. point, um, certainly domestically, that, that we've been back, so we've not quite seen that comeback, Thursday night gave us a bit of heart in that sense, that we managed to come back from a bit of a chasing in the first 15 minutes if we're, if we're being honest, come back and produce the best performance of the season for that, that middle hour of the game um, but then again you see the old ways possibly slipping back in for those those last 15 minutes or so. So I think we're on the right path. It, it looks more controlled, um, which is a benefit. It looks like there's a lot less effort going in, which is when you know there's more effort going in on the training pitch, if that makes sense. Um, I think we're at 20 games so far this season. We got to 50, 54 last season, I think it was. I think so far this season, we've played better in more games than we had in the entire of last season. And I know there's a there's a good 10 or 15 games in, in January to March, which we didn't play well in at all. But we were heralded last season by everybody on, on the pod and, and everybody for how well we were doing last season. However, we got great results. We had a great run. We did very, very well, League Cup aside. However, there was a lot of games that we were watching where we had to be on it 100% every single game to grind out those wins. And that was how good we were doing. We were grinding things out. We were playing well every other game, sure, scoring a, a good chunk of goals. But this year, it's just control. There is there is no none of that drama. We don't have to be on it. We're killing off games in the first 15, 20 minutes sometimes. And then we're enjoying ourselves like... Sunday against Hamilton or we're conserving energy as we did against Livingston um, and you could probably argue Celtic if we're being honest um, so there's that part of it for me, we are playing well without having to try as hard which I think is the biggest thing Yeah I think that that's a maturity thing Tess as well and I think that for me, Adam spot on what worried me a little bit last season was Rangers, when we played well you know, we were irresistible but you aren't going to play like that every single week nobody plays at 100% you know, Arrigo Saki famously said about his great Milan team, six times in three years did they hit top level because you need everything to go right, everybody to be on form, everybody to be 100% fit um, and it's just unrealistic to expect it to happen week in week out and I think even if you want something a wee bit closer to home Liverpool last season there were a lot of two ones in there when they maybe weren't at their best, but they picked up the three points. And I think Adam's right that for me, one of the encouraging things this season is that the kind of baseline performance is significantly better than it's been in the past. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of that comes down to everybody knowing their job. Um, the system that we've got in place now has got the players 
to fulfil that. Obviously, on days like yesterday, where um, the, the way the opposition set up, combined with the fact that all our players are on their A game, the fluency is there, they're getting the look, they're getting the rub of the green. You know, that isn't going to happen every week. It's going to happen once, twice, three times a season, like you say. But when it does happen, oh my God, it's glorious to watch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, on, on, a, on a weekly basis, the players know what they've got to do and they also know that if they go out there and do it, nine times out of ten, they are going to get the victory. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say they don't have to try because that, that, that's wrong and it's also disrespectful to our opponents, but they know that if they go out there and perform the job and do the work that they've been instructed to do, they are going to get the results. You know, um, certainly for, for the for the defensive players, <clears throat> that then gives the forward players the confidence to go forward, knowing that, you know, they were very, very likely to concede the goals. It means they can go out and play their football. And it's just, again... It's, it's something I keep using the word encouraging, but every everything that we're seeing so far this season, it's all encouraging to see. And it does look, for all intents and purposes, like this is what, for the past two, three years, two and a half years, this is what Gerard has been building towards. And now he's got the personnel, both on and off the pits, to be able to put those ideas into practice and to get the results. I think, you know, I really do think this, when he first took over, I really do think this, what we're seeing now, is what he wanted. But obviously it has taken us a while to reach that point. Adam, we saw another introduction yesterday, another new player to give the manager more options, Bongani Zungu, the South African international, who uh, came on at half-time, got the ball, started spraying it about like a, a, a Pirlo visiting visiting Scotland in a brief afternoon. Um you clearly see what he's about. It's hard to to look too much into forty five minutes when your team is so on top. I think I could have got a game and and Rangers would still have run it an eight 0 victory. But he did look impressive and a wee bit different to the guys that we have. Definitely, yeah. You could see um, you could see him sitting there in that the role that he played yesterday. You could see that quite comfortably in, in a large amount of those games. Obviously, as you said. Bigger intensity, um, more pressing from from other centre mids in Scotland, etc. Maybe a little bit of a, a culture shock for him, um, but certainly as a start to come into, what a great debut for someone to come into when when you're four nil up, just go out and play your game for forty five minutes and let everyone see what you're about. I thought his range of passing was was brilliant. I liked the way that he pressed in terms of keeping the keeping the defence locked in. Um, again, you need to caveat that we're five six up at this point so it's pretty easy to do that but I liked there was a lot to like about him very very comfortable on the ball um, and as soon as he came on was it the first minute or two he pinged one over the top uh, and he had another couple of lovely passes down down the channels as well so yeah I was I was impressed I thought he looked completely at ease um, and didn't look like anything would, would phase him in the game It sounds positive but there is a, a dark cloud hanging over Ibrox because it appears I'm sorry to have to report this to everyone, but it appears that we have, in fact, been rumbled. Um, we're sitting here talking about you know how well the team are playing, and to us it looks like things like coaching and you know, signing good players and whatnot, but I don't think it, it, it... Look, sometimes you just have to hold your hand up when you get caught, don't you? And I think in this case, um, a petition has been launched by Celtic supporters on change.org, and as we all know, these petitions, they always work. Have you noticed that? They are in no way a complete and utter waste of time that people do this constantly. Um, of, of, let's face it, there's been, what, 4.8 million petitions launched in the last year alone, and all of them have succeeded. So once somebody launches a petition, you're screwed. But thank you to Jim McPhail, who has put up a post that says, Drug test the Rangers FC 2012 playing squad. Now, what our squad from 2012 have to do with anything, I don't know. But he said, it's become apparent that Rangers Football Club, established in 2012 from the remains of the now-defunct Rangers Football Club 1872, is using state-of-the-art performance-enhancing drugs on its playing squad. Its predecessor had a well-documented history of financial doping, and it seems the latest incarnation has maintained a proclivity for bending the rules and breaching sporting integrity. Tests, um... I don't know about you, I mean, any drug I've taken wouldn't make me play any better, uh, might make me talk shy or go to sleep, but we're being rumbled. I think there there are two things here. One is fair play to Mr. McFell for bringing it up. 
it's only right that due process is followed and that a full and frank investigation is um, taken of Rangers Football Club and that if we are found to have been doping our players that we are uh, prosecuted to the full extent of the law, I think is, you know, is right to be demanding this. You know, we, we don't want to be handed the league. You know, we, we don't want it to be voted for and handed to us because we've paid off the right people. No, we want to win it fair and square on the pitch. So I'm fully in support of this measure. Secondly, do you know what it refers to needlemen? Do you think they dress like plague doctors with those big beak masks yeah. and them? Oh, it's brilliant. It says the rumours have been constant around the recent success of Liverpool FC. <laughs> so constant I hadn't heard them, but there you go. Um, with players largely viewed as average on paper, Liverpool, folks. Um, average on paper, seemingly overachieving with high-intensity running tactics designed to outwork natural opposition. The similarities with the Rangers are striking. Several journeyman players in their mid to late 30s are now being seen to overrun some of the best teams in Europe midweek and then return at the weekend with no fatigue or injury to do it again. Logically, it makes no sense until you factor in drugs, likely the latest synthetic test-defeating productions coming out of Mexico produced by cartel chemists. The power of the dog, said it said it before. Adam, I think the thing about this is, I don't know if that's a wind-up. That I think says absolutely everything about the Celtic support in this country. That yeah, anywhere else I'd be like, that's quite funny. Somebody's take the piss, that's good. With this, I've read it 10, 12 times and I'm still not sure. We're only three points clear, technically. And this is <laughs> happening already. Nine. Nine. In theory... Um, yeah, no, I know. I assuming, assuming the worst, three points clear uh, when the games are played, and, and this is what is happening. And, and you see the, not even just this, which is obviously batshit mental in the first instance, but you see the reaction of, of Celtic themselves and uh, to their dip uh, in the last four or five games uh, in terms of the results and and their calling for Lennon's head right away. It's a snap decision. We've not played well all season. This and that. It's so long to go. I mean, chicken and egg for us. We probably hope that he stays on a little bit in terms of what what could be. But if they're at this stage of of hyperventilating now, when we're only just into November, um, then God knows what it's going to be as we get into December and, and January, and we hopefully pull away um, and further and further into the distance. It is it is insane, but you don't expect it. What it does say is Jim needs your help. Uh, Jim needs a lot of people's help. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. not not just specific to that. But yeah, look, on the one hand, I'm tempted to go, right, which one of you listeners did this? But the other bit of me can't rule out that it's genuine. But yeah, I, I, look, you know, doping does happen in football, but it's funny that doping wasn't happening in Scottish football up until Rangers were quite good. Um, that test, all joking aside here, I brought that up, you know, give us all a wee bit of a laugh. But there is, I, I think, uh, a reluctance among Celtic supporters, to just admit that Rangers are quite good. Now, I don't quite understand that because I've never, I never have, because if you always maintain that your opponents are all rubbish, I think that that takes away from your success a little bit. That how can you take much joy in winning if everybody else is is awful? That surely you, if it was me, I'd be bumming up, you know, to you, it might appear that I, I I stole sweets from an eight-year-old boy, but I'm going to tell you that he was six foot four and you know really wanted to keep his sweets. They don't do that, and they are having trouble, I think, processing that. Oh, we have a challenge, as opposed to just saying, "Hang on a minute, right? They're quite good, but you know, look, we've got good players. We've won X amount of trophies. We'll still have enough about us." They've just gone straight into that kind of weird mentality that they have of holding what appear to be simultaneously opposite thoughts at the same time. I think it's a bit like uh, how it used to be in pro wrestling, whereby you'd never talk down your opponent because then if you beat him, it, it was like a, a hollow victory. So you, you'd always say that how good your opponent is, but that you're better or how you're going to find a way to win. Um, so you're right, you know, th- them, them constantly talking us down. How bad, how bad must they be if we can make that? If we can play them off the park and they don't have a single shot on target, do you know what I mean? So that 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 in itself is bizarre. But also, um, I think what, what one thing I've found with when I've spoken to on the rare occasions I've spoken to Celtic fans about the football, 
Uh, it's mainly been considered our European form. I mean, obviously, under Gerard, I think we've been magnificent in Europe and we are starting to get back to where a club of the standing of Rangers should be viewed on the European stage. Uh, and they, they, they find it very difficult to acknowledge the fact that we have found a, a tactical system that works well in Europe. We have got the personnel to do it. We have been overperforming. Um, certainly last season we did. And now to mind and say, well, yeah, well, you were lucky because, you know, the opposition were bad or how poor were they? And they, they just cannot bring themselves to admit that we are a very good team, you know. And, and I, I just don't understand that. I, I can look at Celtic, for example, and pick out certain players of theirs who I would not happily, but who I would take into our squad because they are on at least on a par with what we've got currently. There's not many of them, don't get me wrong, maybe two, three, but I can say, yeah, I, they, they are very good players. When they've played well, on the rare occasions that I watch them, which, believe me, is very rare, I can say, yes, they've played well, we need to keep an eye on them. It hurts me to do so, but I will do it because I, I don't live in a world of fantasy. You know, I, I, you've got to acknowledge reality. And I think that the more they deny that we're a good team, and the more they convince themselves it's a fluke or it's a conspiracy or it's this and it's that, two things are going to happen. One, that rubs off on the players and the management of Celtic because, you know, they, they live in this echo chamber too. Uh, and they start to look down on us, uh, which obviously last month was proved to be a very big mistake as we walk, walked into their place, didn't set the park and slip us off all game and walked over three points. And secondly, when we do... Um, when we do get 55 in May, it's just going to be all the better because they're going to be sat there wondering how they've lost the title to an inferior team and that's going to make it all the sweeter. Yeah, there is a precedent for us, Adam, I think, which is in the mid-90s. I really enjoyed them being rubbish and then when they were quite good, I was reluctant to accept it, but it ended up in us not getting 10 in a row, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's the that's the thing, isn't it? When, when you, you go through these... Um, and we're possibly seeing it uh, in Italy as well with with Juventus. You, you, you getting that consistency and and keeping the titles churning is is a really really difficult thing to do. And all of a sudden, when it when it drops, it, it can drop like a stone. Um, and there might not be any one reason for it. It could just be that fatigue of the accumulation of titles. Um, the the admittance is never going to happen um, at all. Um, the the one that I I tend to enjoy is oh haha, you're rubbish etc etc. But we then beat them and you say well you just let a team that's eight years old technically in your mind beat you. Yeah. Uh, off the pitch time and time again they're performing better than you in Europe and it, technically these results are worse than the Inverness Cali result or the Clyde result or whatever <laughs> else you had. Um, and it kind of clams them up a little bit quite quickly because it can't be both. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, there's always got to be a regression, I think, for a, for a champion. I think you're kidding yourself on kidding yourself on if you don't think there are. You mentioned Liverpool earlier on last year, David. They would still have won the title last year, but you can't argue that Man City regressing back from their first two seasons or the two seasons before that massively helped that, um, both in terms of number of points and in terms of the challenge that they're able to offer. So that needs to happen. You need both. You need the the team to be able to be playing levels above what it's had, which we have just now, but you also need that that team to, to regress, the champions to, to regress back down a little bit. Not so much so that they become horrendous and you could you would have won the title anyway, but you need that that gap um to reduce. We're seeing that now, I think, um and they don't like it. Um and the panic around it would suggest to me that, that they know it and they've known it for, for quite some time. Um and you can infer and I've had it inferred to me over the last week by Celtic supporting friends is that last season um, we imploded before they did. I think for for want of a another word, they came back after January and they had the bit between their teeth. Um, how long that would have lasted, we're, we're not sure. Until we then imploded and and not necessarily handed them the title, but certainly reduced the the challenge of it. Um, so it'll certainly be interesting to see. Um, it sounds like they they are going to implode first. We'll have to wait and see how how that goes this season. But um, they certainly aren't having a a good time of it, and I think you can see that with the fans who who let's be honest are always one grievance away from from this type of thing anyway. Now, regular listeners will know that Heart and Hand is at the forefront of the fight against Hirsut Hormoz, um, with our partnership with Manscaped. Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. What is the best band for my balls? 
they're very attached to that for some reason. They always insist that we put that in. Um, but for those of us of an older vintage who, quite frankly, um, I will I will no more hand over my collection of Rangers tops than I will my pubic bush because, quite frankly, we've been through a lot together. Um, some of which we don't look back on with a lot of pride, but it was there, I was there. Yeah, sorry, I got lost for a moment there. But, but they have brought out something that is very useful to gentlemen of my age, and I know you two might be thinking it will never happen to me, but your nose hair and your ear hair is going to become a problem for you lads. It's going to grow, it's going to keep growing, and a bit like the Terminator, it cannot be stopped. Wow. I'm sorry, Adam, but this, this awaits you. Tess, you're still a very hairy man on top of, the, of your head, <laughs> un, unlike me, but it's going to happen to you as well, mate, that, that all of a sudden, you're inside your ears, it's going to look a little bit like a toothbrush moustache, going to look like Charlie Chaplin and other less mentionable well, figures who had a similar style of, of tash. Um, and you don't want that, do you? I mean, what if you've got a date with a hot lady and she's kind of running her hand through your lovely luscious hair and then she gets into your ears and goes, what's that? Well, I'm that. 38 a month today, so it's if, if the onset of ear hair is going to come, it's going to come very soon. Uh, I don't suffer with ear hair, but no, no, nose hair is something that I do have to keep an eye on. So do tell me more. Well, Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof for some reason and uses a 9,000 RPM motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system, which all sounds very nice, you have to admit. Um, it also provides proprietary skin safe trademark technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes. And I know that I don't like tugging at my delicate holes at the best of time. 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So why not use the best tools for the job here? The bundle includes a lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt and body. They're shaving their bodies now as well. Oh, when, do anything, when I take they? off a jumper, yeah, when I take off a jumper, you can't tell I've taken off a jumper. Um, but let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximise your ball hygiene routine as well. Get all of this stuff. All of it. Along with free boxers. Who doesn't want boxers? And the Shed Travel Bag, which I hope is just a travel bag. It sounds like it is, but you never know. I mean, I, this is all like in a new area for me. But you can get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code RANGERS at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code RANGERS so what are you waiting for? Go out your reads and make sure your balls look great during the process um, and, and and with that let's uh, let's head off back into the realms of football Adam, we do have this international break coming up that means two weeks uh, with our players away and unfortunately normally you kind of hope that they don't come back with injuries it, it's actually a little bit more worrying at this point there's nothing we can do about it so I suppose this is a kind of uh, a moan for no reason but it's it's not ideal knowing that players out with the bubble which Rangers have been excellent at maintaining so far apart from the, 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 the two idiots last week that it we we might just have to deal with this if it comes back. There's nothing we can do. Sorry, I was still weed whacking there for a second, but I've moved on now. Um, yeah, I think getting everybody back is going to be key. I think I seen today. I don't know if it's confirmed, but I seen today that Hellander isn't isn't actually going to travel um, because of the the new rules around. Is it Denmark? I think it is in terms yeah. of where, where they're and playing. And it's a friendly. You know that that's what really. Ugh. Yeah. So what's the point? More of those would be ideal, to be honest. If we're being selfish, if there's any anything around that. COVID restrictions in, in other countries, etc. That means that we don't have um, all these players jetting off. Um, I think at this period of time it would be crucial because this should be the first round, last round of internationals until what I don't know what the calendar looks like for next year. Well, changes, but February, March it would be, March, yeah. So that gets us through the, the the business part of the season in terms of the middle. So if we can get through this unscathed, 
Um, then all we have to worry about is ourselves, which, as we've seen last week, is still a little bit of a worry. Um, but you would hope that that we've learned our lessons from from that now. Um, and yeah, as as far as I'm concerned, I would um, I would wish them all uh, a safe return. Tess, it is irritating, but if it happens, then it's just a case of rolling up the sleeves and getting on with it. Yeah, that's it, mate. Um, we are governed by what's going on in the world at the moment, which we, we cannot change. So we, we've just got to deal with it as best we can. Um, a couple of weeks ago, um, obviously, when, when Selwood got a couple of players out, as funny as it was, uh, obviously, you know, we, we, we sent our best wishes to the to the players involved. No, nobody wants to see anybody falling down with that kind of thing at this time, but it was funny that it happened to Celtic. I think we were all deep down, you know, thanking whichever God it is that we pray to that it didn't happen to us. Um, there's, there's every chance that after this latest round of Portis Internationals, uh, certainly in terms of the friendlies, you know, there, there's every chance that it is going to happen to us. And if it does, we've just got to deal with it, mate. But one thing that I'm very, very confident of now is the squad. We've We've got two players for every position on that pitch at least, as well as a few guys who can fit in here, there and everywhere. So if it comes, we just got to deal with it, mate. I'm more than confident in the, in the players we've got in reserve to step up um, and, and play if need be. So just keep our fingers crossed that it doesn't happen to us. But if it does, mate, just, just crack on with it regardless. Absolutely. Right, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you can hear more from us over the international break and all other times if you go to our Patreon site it's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand uh, where from just £1.99 per month just 50 pence per week you will be able to get up to five shows every single day everything on Rangers everything on football all around the world and some other stuff to keep you amused as well so go and check that out my thanks to our executive producers in London Mike Lee and Paul Myers we will be back next Monday with our monthly show with Stevie from Four Lads uh, see DJ Novo, the YouTuber, and also uh, the lads from This Is Ibrox will be contributing when we all get together and have a review over the last month since the last international break. So that'll be with you this time next Monday. My thanks then to Tess. Thank you very much for having me, mate. To Adam. Cheers, David. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a good time. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.